Welcome to You Might Relate, a podcast where we take relationships and mental health to the next level. I am Stacy Heaps, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been practicing therapy for the last 15 years. There are counseling concepts and stories that I am excited to share. When we know better, we do better. Together, let's get to a place of radical acceptance of where we are while improving relationships and tackling life's transitions, one therapy concept and one story at a time. So let's get started to see if you relate. Hello, I am so glad you are joining me today. Are you noticing all the beautiful leaves, the fall colors, the fun Halloween decor on everyone's doorsteps? I love fall. Anyway, I am stoked about the topic for today, but let me start off by telling you a story. The other day, actually the other evening, my daughter and I went on a walk with our dog. Something was bothering her that she wanted to get off her chest, and I didn't know who it was about or where the story was going. The conversation eventually came to her telling me something that I had said to her that really hurt her feelings. To be honest, I was shocked. Then as she kept talking, I could feel my heart beating a little faster and it felt like my chest was just thumping and I felt hot. And what I wanted to do was to stop walking and stare her down and say, I didn't say that. I don't remember saying that. You must have taken what I said out of context. That's what I wanted to say. In other words, I could feel myself wanting to defend myself. That's right. I was becoming defensive. I am going to put a pin in the story for just a second and come back to it because I want to introduce a few other ideas first. The first idea is the idea of fragility or being fragile. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the word fragile? I think of something made of glass or an egg. On impact, it breaks, right? Well, we can be fragile too. Someone can say something and it sometimes feels like we break inside or that if that person keeps talking, we will break. Right now, ask yourself if you are a fragile person. If someone says something to you that disagrees with you or they are being critical, Do you feel like you might break? Do you want to be a fragile person? Maybe you are not a fragile person at work, but you are with your spouse. Or you are not fragile with your kids, but you are with parents or your friends. We don't have to be fragile with everyone. And sometimes we are, but sometimes it's just with a particular person. Just take inventory. If you are a fragile person, how do you feel? When you, quote unquote, I'm putting up my fingers, break when someone says something to you. And what is your reaction to the said breaking? Now, the other idea is this. Sometimes people are going to get us wrong. I like the term thin slice. When people make quick judgments with a minimal amount of information, that's a thin slice judgment. So I might say to my friends, what's your thin slice on her? What's your thin slice on that game? What's your thin slice on the play? Or, you know, what's your thin slice? A quick judgment with minimal amount of information. Maybe I am dropping my child off a little late to school 
and someone's thin slices about me, she sleeps in and doesn't have her life together. And they might be right, or they might not know that I have been up since 5.30, went to the gym, did an hour of work, and on my way to dropping my child off, a neighbor asked for some help carrying something into their house. So I helped them in, but now my kid is late for school. Their thin slice of me is wrong. And that has to be okay. There is no possible way to get it right or completely right 100% of the time. People's thin slice of us is a sentence in their head. The sentence, she probably slept in, would be an incorrect sentence. The sentence, she doesn't have her life together. Well, that's subjective. In newspapers, books, articles, anything printed, sentences are written that are not correct. What? Big shock, right? They may be partially correct, or the wording may mislead a little. In other words, sentences are wrong sometimes. Sentences in our head are wrong. Sentences spoken verbally can be wrong. And sentences in paper or print are often wrong because they came from our head and put them on print. How the idea of fragility and sometimes people get us wrong, merge together and help us is this. If people's sentences are wrong about us, do we really want to be hurt by them? Do we want to be fragile? Do we want to give people that kind of power over us? This is where we can all learn to be famous actors and actresses and do what they do with their paparazzi. Sentences get printed about them all the time that are half true or not true at all, and they still go on with their life. And we can, in that way, take a lesson in how to show up in our life. We want to practice not being fragile. We want to get used to the idea that people are going to get us wrong sometimes. Have you ever heard the saying that 99% of all reactions are about the past and not in the moment? So let's look at some ways our past haunts us when it comes to being defensive. When we get defensive, it might be because we are reacting to feeling insecure or fearful. And if you were bullied or insecure as a child, it might be that you turn into a bully to feel more secure now, which is a form of being defensive. If you are defensive, it might be that you are reacting to early childhood trauma. And we may not realize that we have had some trauma, but it can sneakily creep in sometimes. Or if you're defensive, it might be a reaction to anxiety or the inability to be assertive. If you lack the skills to communicate in an assertive way, then it can come out as aggressive, passive, and sometimes both of those are defensive. It may be a reaction to shame or guilt. If we are feeling guilty about something and a related topic is brought up, we can respond defensively. For instance, some women have been raised to be stay-at-home moms, and then they choose to work. If a conversation is being had about how much better it is to be a stay-at-home mom, and that woman feels a little guilty or a little shameful about working, then they might get defensive. If you get defensive, it could be a reaction to hiding the truth. More times than I want to admit, I have been with a couple 
and one might be accusing the other one of infidelity, and the one who is being accused suddenly accuses the other one for not trusting them, and how dare you look through my phone, and how dare you talk to my friends and my family, etc., etc. Or have you ever had a teenager? You ask them for the truth, and then they say something, well, you, and they accuse you of something, right? If you're defensive, it might be a reaction to defend your character or behavior or a choice. If you want to feel justified or feel understood. For example, the vaccines versus not vaccines is a good example of that. It was hard for some to just let everyone have their opinion and do what they felt best. But some of us felt like we had to defend and explain our reasoning or our choice. If we get defensive, it might be a reaction to feeling helpless to change. Change is hard. And someone might point out a part of you that you want to change, but you don't quite know how. And so then you get defensive about it. Another reason for being defensive is it might be a symptom of a mental health disorder, a personality disorder, eating disorder, etc. This is tricky. And it's tricky because without treatment, these disorders cause people to be even more and more defensive. Because without treatment, you don't understand why you behave the way you behave. And it takes a lot of work to learn that. Until then, it is just everyone else's problem. Another reason why someone might be defensive is because it's a learned behavior. You might have learned it from your parents or developed a pattern with your spouse. If you never saw your parents admit fault, say they are sorry, work out disagreements, reflect back to each other that they understand, then you may not have a good example. And then how do you know how to work things out? So defensiveness is your tool if that's what you saw. All right, now that we know the reasons why we might be defensive, let's talk about what is happening in our bodies when we are defensive. We don't have to be doctors to learn this stuff. This is so fun to learn to me. The autonomic nervous system is a part of our body which runs autonomously without us thinking about it, thus the name. Our breathing, we don't have to think about that. Our heartbeat, we don't have to think about that. Our digestion, we don't have to think about that. It just happens. And that system is broken down into two more parts, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system activates the fight-or-flight response during a threat or perceived danger. And it does this by regulating the heart and the rate of respiration and your pupils and other things. The parasympathetic nervous system restores the body to a state of calm. It releases hormones that relax the mind and the body. The yin and the yang. We need both and we're grateful for both. It is so important to know about these systems because it will help us in our relationships with everyone, but especially the people that we live with. The sympathetic nervous system is there for a reason. It was intended to help us survive, to act quickly to a situation that is life-threatening. Now, we all don't have to run from cheetahs these days, but our body has the same response to stressors that cause us anxiety. So we don't have to be in danger to have our body respond like it is in danger. For example, maybe you watch a video of a mountain biker in Moab that any mistake could make him fall off the cliff. My sympathetic nervous system is activated at that point just watching that video. 
Research has shown that the long-term effects of chronic stress affect a person's psychological and physical health. According to an article in Harvard Health Publishing, the repeated activation of the stress response takes a toll on the body. Research suggests that chronic stress contributes to high blood pressure, promotes the formation of artery-clogging deposits, and causes brain changes that may contribute to anxiety, depression, and addiction. We really need to take care of our brains. And now, when the parasympathetic nervous system is activated, it produces a calm and relaxed feeling in the mind and body. When it is activated, it immediately reduces our sense of anxiety and stress. It also lifts our mood, strengthens our immune system, and reduces our blood pressure. So we are so grateful to have our sympathetic nervous system because it creates adrenaline and the hormones needed so that we can lift the car off of our child who just got run over or do something remarkable with our body because we are in survival mode. And then we have our parasympathetic that just calms us down. We're drinking tea, eating apple pie. We can do this. So first of all, ask yourself if you want to be the person to trigger the sympathetic nervous system in someone else. Do you want to be that person? When we are constantly critical or looking over someone's shoulder or not giving people the benefit of the doubt, nagging them, we are triggering their sympathetic nervous system. And it's not good for their health. Okay, here's a funny thought. I hope you'll take this (laughs) with a grain of salt. Good serial killers, the real famous ones, are so charismatic and seemingly normal and kind and generous that their victims, sympathetic nervous systems, did not alert them to danger for a few hours. In fact, their parasympathetic nervous systems were activated, right? Because they made them feel so comfortable and that I'm safe and I'm not going to kill you. (laughs) But our loved ones with whom we would never, ever hurt, we activate their sympathetic nervous system sometimes daily. Danger, danger, danger. And we wonder why they are getting defensive. Or we wonder why after 25 years of marriage, Sometimes seemingly loving couples end up getting divorced. And I would say that sometimes those two people have experienced long-term sympathetic nervous system overload, and they are tired, and they're exhausted, and they love each other, but they just don't want to keep up with that sympathetic nervous system just being activated all the time. They don't want to be walking on eggshells. They don't want to be defending themselves all the time. And so there can be love there, but they're just tired. I've seen that. And obviously, we don't want to be serial killers. But they work hard, those serial killers, to activate people's parasympathetic nervous system to calm and help people feel safe. So what if we did that same thing with our own families? Help our people feel comfortable and relaxed. No danger here. I'm just telling you a sentence in my head. I love and care about you, but I have a question or I have a concern. Or you really hurt my feelings. You are my ride or die, and I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but this frustrates me. As you can see, there are two parts for us. We don't want to be the cause of triggering somebody else's sympathetic nervous system. And we also want to maintain the balance in our own systems. And I am going to share with you how to do this. Someone, 
your spouse, your child, your best friend, your mom says something that triggers your sympathetic nervous system. Inside, you can feel your body saying, danger, 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 even though they are not a serial killer. Okay, take a deep breath. Reflect back what you just heard them say. Make sure you heard and understood them correctly. Now, if they change how they said it, that's okay. Sometimes it takes people a little bit to get out. So keep asking questions, be curious, find out what they're trying to say, what they want you, what they need you to understand about them. Okay? Pay attention to your body, breathing and reflecting back so they feel understood. You've heard the saying, seek first to understand, then to be understood. That may be my favorite quote. Then after they feel understood, ask yourself if what they said is true or not true. If it is true, then agree with them. And there is no reason to be mad at them for agreeing with you, for saying truth. And if it is not true, then you're going to have to let them be wrong about you. You don't need to be fragile. You don't need to be defensive. Okay, let's go back to the story about my daughter for a second. So my daughter and I, to recap, we were on a walk with our dog. It's a beautiful night. The moon was bright and I can feel my heart rate quicken and I know that my sympathetic nervous system is being activated. I tell myself in my head, I am safe. Help her feel understood. So I reflected back what she was telling me, which went something like this. When I said blank to you, you felt blank and blank and blank. And then ever since then, you have had this thought that I think blank and blank of you. And it makes you think that other people think blank of you too. Is that right? And she said, yes. And then she also added, and I think my friends think blank of me because of what you said. And then I said, so in the back of your mind, you have this nagging thought that your friends think this of you because of what I said. And then she said, yes. And then I said, wow, that must feel terrible. I can see how that could be in your head from what I said. I am so glad you were telling me because I had no idea. So while I am reflecting black, I'm also calming myself down from being attacked by a cheetah. She's the cheetah. <laughs> but really, she's not. She's really just being brave and sharing with me something that she holds close to her heart. Now, I have practiced having others be wrong about me. I say this all the time. I'm not for everyone. People get me wrong sometimes. It's fine. I don't want to be fragile and assume she thinks I'm a terrible mother. And I am using this opportunity to connect, help her feel safe and understood. What I think and feel is important to me, but it doesn't need to be said in this moment. What needs to be done is that I understand her. She needs to feel understood. So anyway, after I reflect and understand her and she feels safe for expressing this to me because it was hard for her and I think her sympathetic nervous system was probably activated just bringing something difficult up. She then said this, I don't think you meant it how I took it. Oh my word. So I didn't even have to defend myself. I was just understanding her and then she came around to that. I agreed with her and told her that I might have been joking, but regardless, our words are important, and I'm glad that we had this talk. I apologize for the harm and hurt that I had caused her, and again thanked her for trusting me 
that we could work this out and understand each other. So now both of our parasympathetic nervous systems are at rest. We can digest our food. We can breathe. Our heart rates go down. We can do that like it's supposed to because we let the yin and the yang kind of happen, right? We allowed our sympathetic nervous systems to be elevated a little bit, but then we also allowed the parasympathetic to calm us down. And I promise you that not all my interactions are that perfect with my family, but I am practicing so that they will be. So here's some other examples. When my husband is critiquing my driving, that I am driving too fast, you know, he'll say, you're driving too fast. And I reflect, what's the speed limit? Okay. And I ask myself, well, is it true? So I look down at the speedometer. It is true. I am speeding. So I don't need to be defensive about it. He is telling the truth. And I want to connect with him. He is not attacking me as a person. He is attacking my speed of driving. I don't need to be fragile. If someone says, you have ugly purple hair. Well, that doesn't hurt me because it's not true. (laughs) My hair is not purple. My hair is dyed blonde. And I think it looks great. And also my hair isn't connected to my identity so much. And so that's an easy one. It's not true. So I can reflect back. Oh, you think my hair is purple. Interesting. Are you playing a joke on me? Are you colorblind? Do you have purple contacts in? I don't know. But it's easy for me to reflect back, take a big breath. And then if they want to think my hair is ugly, they can. It doesn't need to affect me. I can laugh about it. Maybe someone tells me I am working too much and I am not a good mom. Ooh, now that one will sting a little bit. Why? Because for better or worse, I think that part of my identity is my motherhood. And also there is some truth there. I do work a lot. And so sometimes when it's mixed with a truth, it can sting a little bit. But let's still use the tool, okay? So I'm going to (sighs) breathe, reflect back. So you think that the hours I put into working should be spent with my kids. Is that right? Okay, now right when I am reflecting, it's lowering my heart rate because I'm slowing the conversation down. And I'm thinking I am in charge. And I'm telling myself this person is not a cheetah. (laughs) Once this person feels understood, then I ask myself, is what they're saying true or not true? And this is where sometimes you have to separate it out. I actually think I am a fabulous mom, but they are entitled to their opinion and they can be wrong about me. I can decide that I am not fragile. I can know that that is just a sentence in their head. And sometimes sentences can be wrong. And I can let them know that their sentence is wrong, but I just want to make sure that I do it in a non-defensive way. It's just sharing your thoughts, but allowing them to have theirs. So I might say something like, oh yeah, I can totally understand why your idea of being a good mom is someone who doesn't work a lot. I can totally get that. My experience is that moms come in all shapes and sizes and abilities and wants and desires, and then our kids just grow and develop how they need to with the mom they have. Just the nature of being a mom We do get it wrong sometimes, but that's part of development as well. Despite my mistakes, I am proud of overall how I am mothering, and I hope you are too. You know, something like that. We can kind of agree to disagree. It's okay because what I think of myself is the most important. Get this. It only stings if there's a part of you that thinks it's true. So if you are being hurt by someone, 
instead of getting mad at them for hurting you, go inside and see what part of you agrees with them. Because go back to the purple hair. That didn't bother me because it's not even true. And this doesn't have to bother me either because I'm a good mom. So here's another story. When my daughter was four years old, we were at the library and the librarian was guiding us to a certain book. We were walking behind her and my daughter blurted out, Mom, she's fat! Oh my gosh. (laughs) I was mortified. Mortified and that word does not even do justice to the feelings that I felt. And I just looked at her and I was beet red. I was flushed. It was horrible. I said, honey, we don't describe people as fat. And also, I need you to be quiet in the library. We don't shout. And the librarian turned around and said to me, your daughter is four. She is observing the world and she observed that I am fat. I am fat. You don't have to be embarrassed of the truth and I don't either. Wow. That woman was not fragile. Her identity was not attached to her weight. She was confident in her skin. If we don't like who we are and someone points it out, that's our work to do on ourselves. That woman, I will forever be grateful for her. Her worth, she knew it, and it wasn't attached to her weight. I love seeing her at the library even now. So religion... Politics, sports teams, expectations, sex, kids, family, these are all the hot topics. You could choose to avoid them altogether, or you can practice your skills when you do this. Remember, you are not your religion. You are not your political party. You are not the sport team. You are not the expectations. You are not the sex. You are not your family. You are you, and you are enough just as you are. You have to know that. You have to know your worth and that you are enough just as you are, whether others see it or not. You won't be fragile if you know this. You won't be fragile if you allow others to be wrong about you. If you have not developed the skills yet, and you are still honing them, and you think either your partner or you is not capable of handling the situation, like your sympathetic nervous system is going off, danger, 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 and you need to go to a safe place to calm down for a little bit, then you can always come back to it more prepared and, you know, even writing things down, having a time limit for discussions. Going on a walk is actually really useful and helpful, and I can talk about that, why that is later. It's okay to take a break, put a pin in it, and come back to it. Just as long as you do come back to it so the other person doesn't feel misunderstood. You know how we learn something really well? It's by teaching it. So we can teach our kids these same principles. So if your kid is on the playground, the kids are saying, you are a nerd, you are a nerd, and you come up to your kid and say, Oh, honey, did they make fun of you? Are they calling you bad names? I'm so sorry, honey. Come here. You're not a nerd. Oh, I love you so much. We are creating fragility. We are encouraging that. If at the playground someone says that same thing, you are a nerd, you are a nerd, and you teach your kid to first breathe, reflect back, oh, you think I'm a nerd, huh? What way do you think I'm a nerd? Then your kid can say, okay. What's the truth here? Some people think I'm a nerd, but if they don't really think that they're a nerd, let that be the most important. What do you think about yourself? Is what they're saying true or not? 
If it's not true, let's not let it bother you. If it is true, then agree with them and move on. If we do this, we can help our parasympathetic nervous system to be with us more than our sympathetic nervous system. I just see a lot of kids with anxiety and it, we're not teaching the skills of how to not be defensive and how to not call people names, how not to attack. I'm telling you, if we just practice not being fragile, if we practice letting people be wrong about us, there's sentences in their heads. It's okay if it's wrong. Not every sentence is right. This week, try these three things when you feel defensive. Take a big, deep breath. Reflect back. And then ask yourself if the statement is true or not. And if it's true, agree and move on. If it's not true, let them be wrong about you. If you have your feelings hurt, wait till your parasympathetic nervous system is activated, and then you can talk about it. It's simple, but it's not easy, right? But you got it. Practice this week and see how much better and more empowered you feel. That's what I have for you today. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining me today on You Might Relate. I hope this topic brought understanding and insight. And if you can relate to something in today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at You Might Relate Podcast. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. The more understanding we create, the better we are as humans. You are in charge of your day, so go make it a good one. Catch you next time.